welcome to Music Works. We are grateful to Alliance Music Insurance, who are our podcast sponsor, and today we are pleased to welcome Alliance's very own Clarice Goff to talk about the ins and outs of insurance, why it matters, and what Alliance offers to musicians seeking cover today. But first, here's a message from Alliance. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer, with cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment, protecting you against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. Every Alliance Music policy also includes free legal assistance and support, so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Find out more at alliancemusic.co.uk. Alliance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. And so now we'll go over to the Music Works studio to meet Clara Scoff from Alliance Music Insurance. Hello, welcome. Hello, hello. Hi, so, yeah, good to see you. Lovely to yeah. see you too. Thank you so much for coming on. So on this episode today, we have Clarice Goff, the marketing manager for Alliance Music, and Margaret Pinder, who's joined us, as she sometimes does, to uh, to be part of the episode as well. Um, we're mainly using Margaret for um, a hair-raising um, instrument disaster story which yeah. will be coming up shortly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so welcome, Clara. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. Um, shall we start by, could you tell us a bit about, um, about Alliance Music and your role there? Sure, yeah, so um, I'm a musician myself as well, which is great. Um, as, and you probably seen the camera, I play clarinet and a bit of saxophone. Um, I, uh, yeah, joined Allianz like five years ago now just because I cared, I guess, about um, <laughs> people and their instruments and um, keeping them protected. And uh, I'd been insured with Allianz, you know, for years, um, especially when I was at university studying music, I actually made a claim then. <laughs> so yeah, an important organization. Um, yeah, we basically are, have been around since 1960, so quite a long time, uh, a lot longer than any of the other sort of music insurance companies out there. Obviously a very niche area of cover, and it's quite a small area of the big global Allianz, <laughs> but I find like a really exciting and important area, especially for musicians. Um, it just gives people that peace of mind that they can go out and do their career as a musician, or they can go out and teach, or just do their odd gig and not have to worry about that precious instrument becoming you know, lost or damaged or stolen and then not being able to afford to get it fixed or replaced really. Um, yeah, yeah, we're just there to, to support musicians in their yeah, careers and their personal life really. Absolutely, and I know musicians have a great experience with you, um, you know, because one of the, the fears when you, when you have insurance and you need to claim on it is that, um, you know, is, and in fact a fear that musicians deal with generally in, in all, everything to do with instruments, they won't be understood. You know, you hear all the stories about what attempting to make airlines understand what, um, mm -hmm. you know, is an appropriate method of travel for certain instruments. Um, and, you know, when you find one of those that understands, it makes such a huge difference. So obviously having such a bespoke and well-established um, insurer for, for musical instruments is very important. Um, so that's that's lovely to hear. It's... it's um, yeah, I think you pay out on about 97% of claims as well, which is very impressive. At least, really, yeah. We, um, you know, really understanding, um, you know, we actually understand exactly what musicians are going through. A lot of the team are musicians as well, which really helps. 
Um, so they actually understand, first of all, what the instrument actually is, which can be something that other insurers might not actually know. Um, but also we actually understand the sort of situations that musicians might get themselves into um, and understand how and let you choose how you'd actually want that to be resolved. Like a lot of the time, an instrument is quite a sentimental item to a person and the way that you want it resolved or, or fixed is very much a personal choice and we definitely work with people who make a claim we work with them to make sure that they can yeah, get it fixed or get it replaced in the best way possible for them oh, so does that involve being flexible on sort of restorers and um you know ways in which it can be repaired that sort of thing oh yeah definitely yeah. i mean well, the main thing is that we let you decide where you wanted to get it repaired. So mm. if you have a long-standing relationship, like a local shop, or you have as a specialist in that certain area of instrument, then we let you pick where you want to get it repaired. We don't like dictate, <laughs> like how you know where it should be replaced and how. We let you like guide that sort of process and run that process yourself, and we just fund the repair and any costs associated with it, or the lack of performance and the higher costs and things like that. So. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. Really, it's you know it's a product really built for um actually musicians and like the way that they function so I'm quite yeah. proud of that. yeah that was definitely my experience because i had this incredible accident with my double bass in that it i was on the concert platform it was the saturday afternoon rehearsal before the saturday evening concert and we got shifted around on the platform um and the bit where i was sitting with my bass had a section so the spikes fitted and I got moved a bit where the stage was slippery and my spike went out from under me so the bass shot out from under me which was you know these things happened but immediately behind me was the guardrail for the back of the stage so the neck of the bass hit the guardrail and it just sheared right off so the neck of the bass just <laughs> came right off so of course with it being a bass there was the most tremendous clatterers you know several hundredweight of mahogany hit the deck with a jangle of strings and everything else and of course everyone turned around going ah um at which point i said very calmly it's all right i've got another one which wasn't strictly true but i knew where <laughs> i could get another one um so and so obviously i made a claim i was insured with alliance and i made the claim and um one of the questions when it came back was, were there any witnesses? I said, the entire whole Philharmonic Orchestra, names and addresses can be supplied. Um, <laughs> so that wasn't followed up. And I took it to um, our local luthier, Peter Hall, who is really wonderful and does all our repairs. Uh, and it came back, um, you know, even better than ever. In fact, it actually got, even got a new fingerboard. So, um, so I was back up and running um, very quickly. So I'd say my experience was very, very positive. Um, so thank you. Now you're here, I've got a chance to say thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's, uh, it's always good to hear the ending. Of, I should have put a trigger warning at the beginning of a, yes. of a horrific instrument story. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. If you've yeah. been affected by any of the stories, you know, any yeah. of the issues discussed in this podcast, you know, yeah. please write to. Um, <laughs> um, absolutely. And so what... Um, that is really great to know about the the specific kind of um, musical knowledge that that um, your department has for understanding what musicians will be going through. That apart from choice of repairers, are there any other sort of key um, things that musicians really like to have choice over? I mean, I guess the main like benefit of the policy really is that it's um, quite flexible, so you can like pick the different levels. So obviously, at the moment everyone's kind of at home <laughs> so what you can do is just like pick like the premises only cover 
and you just you just have your instruments covered in the home. Whereas if you're back out there normally playing, like hope to be soon, um, you can go up to like the UK level cover. And then if we're doing like um, tours or anywhere going abroad, we then have the worldwide cover as well. So you can sort of pick and choose it and change it for free, like whenever you want. Um, we also have the unattended vehicle cover as a bit of an add-on, which is really useful, say, if you're like driving your instrument around, going to different like venues and rehearsal spaces. It's then insured if you've got it in the boot of the car. So even if you're like mm. out the petrol or anything, you're still covered if, if someone breaks in and steals anything. Um, so yeah, little nice little aspects of cover. And we've also got like public liability as well. Um, so we're actually in the stages at the moment of sort of improving that product and making some little tweaks to it with the new normality that is coming. Um, but yeah, it's a yeah important bit of cover to sort of protect you while you're out playing at gigs and at venues and if you, you know, playing around the public and making sure that you're legally covered any sort of situations that can happen there as well i think the unattended vehicle is really important because actually i had a friend who had her double bass stolen and it was somebody you'd obviously been watching mm. and knew that she had to go upstairs to open the door to a flat then she would come back and get the bass and take it up and they'd obviously been watching they knew and in the few minutes she went up the steps in the building to open the door and came back down it had gone and that yeah. was a point where it wasn't covered i remember it was yeah, but that's the thing with instruments. It's not, it's so personal. It's yeah. so, you know, if you lose or damage your instrument, it's really heartbreaking. I mean, my introduction to insurance was originally as a shipping lawyer and people tend not to get quite so emotionally distraught when, um, you know, ships go bump in the night. But with an instrument, I mean, it goes to the core of, you know, if, yeah. especially if you're a professional musician, um, it's a very emotional attachment. Yeah, you build a relationship with that instrument, don't you? And um, yeah, very hard to to find, you know, an exact replacement or anything like that. So um, it's very much we're there for that like, worst case scenario and just sort of easing that pain, I guess. But yeah, nothing can replace, you know, your lost instrument. You know, sort of. Was it Angela Hewitt recently that they dropped her piano and it was it had been made for her? It was just. It was just one of those terrible, yeah. terrible things. But then I think the, I can't remember the instrument maker, Clarice, you might be able to help me here. They actually made three pianos for her to go and try. And she was, and she picked the one she wanted, which I thought, wow, that's <laughs> something. Yeah, no, and she, apparently she picked the one they thought she would. So that's very, that was, but, they do know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That's a very special opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, wow. that is a very special set of circumstances. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I think. The whole process, um, that I think what a lot of people don't know about, um, the process of acquiring an instrument um, it can often be an emotional and um, long-winded and not always easy process as well, can't it? You know, that they're expensive. Many people don't actually own their instruments in the first place. They're kind of, uh, especially when they are high-level professionals and play a, um, a very, very um, old and precious instrument. Um, they'll, have been, it, they'll have it on loan, so, you know, you're then dealing with somebody else's property and traveling with it all over the world and I was um, a friend of mine who's a violinist um, went through a process of going up getting a new violin recently and kind of I remember her talking about all, you know trying all the different ones and then choosing one to bring home and practice on and kind of develop as well and then went playing it in a first concert and all the differences that there are in the concert hall and so it's really long and in-depth and personal process um, so it makes a lot of sense that uh, that you know the um, process of protecting that instrument is also very bespoke <laughs> so definitely and um 
think that's what we aim to do really is have a claims team that like, understands that fully and also helps out to try and help reunite even once the claims sort of been paid out mm. obviously you replace the new instrument you have a new one but you still probably have a sentimental connection to that previous instrument so we do actually go out like our claims team go out of their way to kind of still help to find that instrument um so we're actually really excitingly launching a new website this year which will be um a database to help people find like lost and stolen instruments so um wow. it's, it's yeah it's hopefully the aim is to have yeah people being able to like communicate with each other on it and put up posts and sort of share sort of information on sort of they heard stories about where an instrument is or where it was lost and where it's been found and things like that so we just think it's really important to to still help even past that point of claim because they still yeah as you say have that sentimental value to people mm. and every instrument is just enormously important isn't it so even if it's not i mean you know in the possession of that person anymore it's still one's finding you know um that's absolutely amazing to hear um what a great resource i can see a lot of people using that um there's a lot it goes on a lot informally i see in my yeah. social media um echo chamber a lot of um you know discussions around that sort of thing yeah but i um, think also what's interesting is the other things you cover because obviously the first thing when you say music you know the the insurance you think about an instrument but then there are all sorts of other things because you've got, I think, legal advice and um, maybe you could just flesh, run through sort of the other things that people might not. You meant you've touched on public liability, but there's so much more to them just ensuring the actual physical object, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, that, um, you, know, you mentioned legal advice. That's a new aspect of the policy that we just launched this year. So it's um, from our... Um, one of our other business areas within Allianz called Allianz Legal Assistance. And um, they're now supporting us in the sense that we're now offering um, free legal advice and support to every customer. So that's a 24 seven, 365 days a year, a phone line that you can call for legal advice on any matter. So that's not just um, like anything to do with your musical instrument or your musical career. It's also like your personal life as well. So whether that's like disputes with landlords or like wow, wow. wills, um, there's also loads, hundreds of templates for everything as well. So if you have like you're setting up employment contracts or any anything, any paperwork, even divorces, wills, that everything, and there's loads of paperwork and sort of forms and advice basically to to everyone. So um, yeah, we just thought it'd be really helpful to yeah, obviously we're supporting in the sense of having that musical instrument, but like in the rest of that career and life as well. So, um, yeah, really happy with that. That's, That's a really great resource. That's that a is great a terrific resource. Because yeah. um, as well, I think it would be a great resource for anybody, but so many musicians are freelance and don't um, have access to things like through workplaces or, you know, um, those kind of um, frameworks for support that you get um, in so many walks of life that, that I feel that, um, and we talk on this podcast a lot, don't we, about how... Um, Musicians are just sort of left out in the cold a lot of the time unless they know where to go and look for that um, yeah. that kind of support. So that sounds absolutely fantastic resource. Yeah. Um, yeah, because law, you know, if you say to anybody, you know, you you should get legal advice on this, the first thing anybody thinks is, oh my god, how much is that going to cost? Because you know, we we lawyers tend not to be that cheap. <laughs> I mean, I may look cheap, but honestly, when I was practicing, I really was not. <laughs> 
No, well, it, it's really useful. I've actually used it already on my own personal policy, which <laughs> has um, been really helpful. Just you know, testing out the process as well. But yeah, it was it was really helpful. You know, I I spoke to someone within five minutes and had like full legal advice on something that wasn't even to do with music, and <laughs> um, actually to do with housing and everything. So it was super helpful just to have that at the end of a phone call. So um, yeah, would really uh, recommend you know bearing that in mind if you already have a policy. Um, that, that was there for you to use. That's fabulous. And this kind of brings me to um, another um, topic we're going to talk about, which is um, what you do for, for the musical community more generally, um, other than um, providing um, insurance and support specifically relating to musicians and their instruments. Obviously, you are the sponsors of this podcast and that enables this podcast to happen. We're extremely grateful for that. Um, and you you also sponsor other things, I believe, and support other um Organized, musical organizations and activities would you like to tell us about some of those absolutely i think you know we very much stand in, in the sense that we want to support that industry as much as we can um as musicians we really understand that especially right now the music industry is struggling and it supports so many people and brings so much income and richness and art to this country and so we want to make sure that we're giving back as well and that's very much what alliance sort of stands for on a global level so being able to do it on this like musical level is really really good um so yeah we've been um sort of a long-term sponsor with um the bournemouth symphony orchestra's resound program um so yeah that's just been amazing to see them evolve over the years as a sort of disabled led ensemble um to see the sort of impact they're having on the industry in terms of dis disability and acceptance and having fair workplaces for everyone and it's just great to see so we're just so happy that we have that relationship with them and that I get to go to their concerts and you know watch them perform and yeah it's really amazing um, we also um, support ABRSM to the exam board as well so just making sure that we're supporting that sort of next generation of learners um, everyone works their way through a, well, the classical world works their way through the ABRSM exams and uh, yeah it's just a really important organization to sort of keep going um, and to have that sort of I guess helpful rigorous sort of training and theory behind learning because um, without it you know we're, we're seeing that in education you know music we're having cuts and they're sort of getting dropped off the curriculum and there's just less music happening so I think it's really important to support a music education business in the sense that they're trying to yeah keep the learning of music alive and keep it formal and keep it yeah the process there and um yeah celebrating success within it as well so i'm really glad we support that it's sort of on the uk level um the whole of the rest of alliance um supports um obviously as well as some sporting endeavors we support the paralympics um, and now actually the Olympics as well. So um, yeah, it's uh, quite sponsorship on a on a quite a large scale. Um, but it's yeah, it's very much standing for say yeah what, what we believe in and what the values of Allianz are. One of the ones that we're sort of supporting as, as a charity in the last few years is Mind, the mental health charity, as well. So we're all actually within the business sort of personally fundraising as well and supporting that. Um, and then Allianz will match all the donation to it. And it's just been a really good awakening for the business. It was a charity that actually all Allianz staff picked to support. Mm -hmm. um, and out of that sort of partnership, we're really getting a lot of 
um, really helpful like mental health in the workplace training and having that. So yeah, I really applaud any organization really that, that does that and yeah, shows that support. No, that's great because we we cover we've touched on that in the podcast because I think mental health and well being is so important and especially when musicians a lot of whom are working in isolation until they kind of come together in the group and it can be a really it can be a tough one especially with what everyone's been through so I think that's a really worthwhile it's interesting that's what the staff picked yes yeah. yeah yeah no it's it's good that's great I mean um, also forget so uh, this year we've been able to um, arrange that. Um, rather large um, Help Musicians UK Foundation um, donation as well. So that was supporting the um, the coronavirus fund that they'd set up. So so proud of that. I'm really glad that we could be supporting <laughs> such an important fund for musicians at the moment. Um, just, you know, you, you've seen what's happened to the industry this last year and it's just very sad to see. Um, and so any way that we can support in making sure that musicians can still able to do what they love something I definitely stand for. Yeah, the work Help Musicians has done this year has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's been so important to so many people. That's wonderful yes. to hear. What a fantastic portfolio. It must be very rewarding working in a job that allows for um, supporting such great activity. Yeah, I just think it's important. You know, people sort of see insurance as this sometimes rather negative um, business that, you know, are not really there to support. They're just sort of maybe potentially taking your money and not paying out on a claim but you know me working within it the last five years I've just seen so much like actual positive positivity and like support to the industry coming out of it so yeah I'm just so glad that we I can make sure that I steer and help musicians within that so. yeah no that's, that's great I know what you mean about what people think about insurance but um Certainly in shipping, it was interesting because my firm actually acted for White Star Line, um, owners of the Titanic. And I got to see the insurance correspondence from that. Because it's, it's, and then you go, it's not interesting. Then something like that happens, as you say, and it's like, ooh, because um, uh, they refused to insure it through Lloyd's because they said it's such an amazing ship, you should create your own insurance category because Lloyd's has these categories. And Lloyd's of London wouldn't do it. So they they actually didn't insure it through Lloyd's. So Lloyd's dodged a bullet there. Yeah. So, yeah, because actually insurance in many and lots of parties a lot of it comes down to stories. I mean, I've had that story about my base and story about the Titanic, all the work you're doing. Katie, we've had some other stories come in. Yeah, do you want some... to hear some... Uh, now, now, I'm going to issue the trigger warning this time, OK? Yeah. This involves harm to instruments and... Yeah. Um, some of the following stories may seem... may cause distress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any... Um, any <laughs> not responsible for any sort of wincing or weeping that may happen as a result of these stories. <laughs> so I put a post out on social media about this um, in, in preparation for this episode to, you know, you know, to vindictively collect horror stories about <laughs> instruments. Um, someone I know, know someone who once drove over her trumpet, uh, was not insured, uh, the bell was squashed and she used it for a while like that until she could afford to get it fixed. So interesting to know that you can in fact play a trumpet with a squash yeah. bell, but... <laughs> Ow! <laughs> yeah. Can't have been so, <laughs> I, Yeah, particularly for the listeners, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, so, someone else may have stood on her solid silver handmade power flute two weeks before a performance exam at music college. 
because um, this is the other thing of course I mean in, in this we did touch on this earlier but you almost never break a musical instrument and it's like oh it's fine I wasn't really using it anyway <laughs> you know it's, yeah. like, it's always before something critically important um, so yes that was um, devastating uh, and apparently this same person also um, bathed their flute which um, <laughs> Apparently it's not the done thing. But apparently you do bathe brass instruments, but but flutes not so much. So um, that was uh... definitely not double basses. Apart from the fact you won't get a bath big enough, so it's good. But yeah, I think we'd be fairly confident that stringed instruments do not go well in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, although of course the flute is a uh, is a wind instrument traditionally. Yeah, no, string <laughs> in yeah, stringed instruments. It's got all those pads, is not it, as well? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't be happy, no. <laughs> No, it was um, as well. Um, yes, and a couple of so we have another another snapped bass, but this oh. time it was the bass teacher at university broke uh, lent the uh, dropped the students' bass against the radiator and broke the neck. <gasps> so yeah, it doesn't have to be your mistake, of course. Oh, I, I, I play violin back yeah. when I was at school. And I had my teacher actually. She, I was trying to tune it and wasn't doing particularly well. I wasn't a very good violin player. I did switch the clarinet quite quickly, um, but um, she was trying to tune it for me, and it just slipped out of her hand and it just landed on the floor and just completely smashed. <laughs> it was. Oh, it gives me a little bit of a, a nightmare. Um, yeah, yeah, irreparable. <laughs> Oh God! No, you just... Actually, double bass. In fairness, double basses are pretty robust. It's a bit like you know trying to damage a wardrobe. It can be done there. I mean, they do have their vulnerable spots, which is the neck. But generally speaking, you know, if you look at most bass players' basses, the number of kind of dings all around the side. Um, but they they are fairly robust things, but within reason. Yeah. And the final story we had was very simply, so, someone sent me a message said, oh, I snapped the neck off my violin when I was younger. And I was like, oh, is that, you know, what's the story? And she was like, no story. I was a kid. I stepped on the neck of my violin. And I was like, oh, God. So that's, of course, the other thing is that, you know, if teaching a child to play an instrument, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they, they may bathe it, you know, they may stand <laughs> on it. It's always possible. Yeah, I, I was playing with an orchestra, you know, sort of, was brought into play as the bass player and the timpanist it was the old style timps do you remember when they used to unscrew the legs and, the, and these the metal poles would drop the metal legs would drop out so they were really ancient these tints and the timpanist he was um an older gentleman it basically just spiked one of the legs right through the belly of one of the cellist cellos <laughs> oh that was um, much weeping and wailing and gnashing of false teeth in that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god how awful um, in a way i find it's quite good that a lot of these stories are like damage rather than theft and, and loss um mm. we do see um that most of our the majority of our claims are for accidental damage um yeah. instead of obviously the worst that happened is something being stolen and it's sort of being out of your hands and you, yeah you know you can't you can't get it back and yeah, having that sort of ripped out of your hands and taken away from you, I think, is probably the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, I agree. I um, so. Accidental damage, obviously, painful to witness, but a lot of the time it can be repaired. Um, mm. You still have it there with you, and there's hope. Because the thing about, I mean, as a musician, you have to move about with your instrument. I mean, it, it, they are quite vulnerable. 
Um, I remember being in King's Cross Underground Station, bumping into a violinist who played with us in the whole Philharmonic. And I knew he played a Stradivarius and he had it over his shoulder. And I was walking, we were chatting because we kind of spotted each other and we were talking. And I thought, how many people realise we're walking through King's Cross Underground and this guy's got millions of pounds just slung over his shoulder. Yeah. yeah. It was just quite extraordinary feeling, thinking, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. Tense. I, I wouldn't be able to relax ever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I was really on edge. You'll see my violin, and I was a bit sort of my eyes were like going everywhere. Just, yeah. but he was very, he was quite cool about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the the one instrument or one of the few instruments that you don't have to travel with is obviously the piano. And um, someone uh, did ask a question when I was doing my uh, my insurance questions research for this episode um, about what pianists need to be thinking about um, insurance wise, because obviously they may have pianos in their home which they might ensure but as they you know go out into the world is it the um you know the venue's responsibility to ensure the piano should the pianist be, be thinking about this at all sure yeah we did get quite a lot of questions from pianists um mm. i think yeah it's yeah it really does depend on what you're doing and like what kind of pianist you are so obviously if you have one at home um i would still recommend they're definitely considering to insure it because a lot of the time it's potentially not covered under your home insurance. Mm -hmm. Anything could still happen in the home. Obviously, it can't be like stolen as easily or things like that. But yeah, there's still things that can happen in the home, flood or fire damage and things like that. Um, and also the, the um, if you're moving house with it as well, um, our insurance would actually cover you for that as well. So it's that sort of perilous moving is generally where a lot of the claims happen because mm. it's when you're moving a piano, which is the stressful bit. Um, and I've seen that sort of firsthand um, in previous roles when I've worked in like music, uh, working for classical musicians and with festivals, that very stressful period of time where you're moving pianos or harpsichords or yeah, sort of delicate instruments mm. and accidents mm. just do happen. Um, and a lot of the time, yeah, it will be covered potentially by the festival or by the, um, the piano will even be provided by the festival or by the, by the venue so it's obviously they'll be covered at that point then but it, you know if you're using your own instrument or teaching on it or things like that is worth ensuring mm -hmm. definitely um thank you um and any other what other sort of um do you have any sort of frequently asked questions that our listeners might be wondering the uh, the answers to you know Sure, I think one of the biggest ones we get is around um, like valuations for like insurance purposes. So um, people are not really sure like what to insure the instrument value for. Um, so what we do recommend is um, either getting a professional valuation yourself. Um, if you, especially if you have an expensive instrument over ten thousand pounds, we would yeah require a written valuation. You can get that from a, a, a retailer or from a specialist in the field um, from those. But for everything else, um, even just having like proof of purchase, proof of sort of value and ownership is what we ask for. Whether that's just the, you know, the receipt for when you purchased it or the email exchange of when you were buying it from someone. Um, pictures of the instruments as well. So a picture of you with the instrument on a certain date can be really helpful to store in your files sort of as proof that you own it because a lot of the time musicians instruments can be gifts or can have been passed down through generations and so it's just sort of being able to sort of prove that ownership as well but valuation wise I would just 
yeah, for the sort of lower value instruments, it's just up for trying to work out and sort of investigating how much it would cost to replace like right today, right now. <laughs> so mm. if you had, if your instrument was stolen right away and you had to replace it right now for a, a gig or a concert or a rehearsal today, how much would it cost you to replace it right away? Um, so that's what I insure my clarinets for. Um, like the, the going rates online, how much sort of a, a brand new clarinet of the same sort of caliber would be. Um, a lot of the time, I think, you know, for example, of my clarinet, it doesn't actually, it's not made anymore. So it's finding one that's sort of an equivalent standard or an equivalent sort of ranking, I guess, to, to then insure it for that value. I mean, I'd still, if the worst happened and I had to go out and replace it, I would probably take my time and shop around and test out a lot and probably would buy from a clarinet dealer. Um, but at least you have that like maximum sum up to what you can work with mm -hmm. to replace it. Um, and you aren't underinsured because that's uh, one of the big no-nos in insurance is underinsuring. So, and we do we have a lot of customers where they've been with us for years and maybe years ago your uh, violin was worth you know a thousand pounds actually in quite a few years time like values have changed maybe your instruments become more in favor or you know it's just they're not made anymore and suddenly actually you find your instruments worth thousands of pounds more so it's definitely worth checking that and updating it um mm. and ensuring it for that like full value now so you don't like lose out at any point yeah, because I think a lot of people don't understand how under insurance works. So let's say, for example, you've got your violin insured for a thousand. It's actually worth five thousand. Let's say and the violin is damaged and it has five hundred pounds worth of damage. You, you people think, oh, well, I've insured it for a thousand, so I'll get the five hundred. And it doesn't work like that's that. That's a lot of things people don't realize. No, you won't. You will get a fifth of five hundred because you've only insured your violin to a fifth of its value. So yeah. I think a lot of people get caught up rather short when that reality bites home. Yeah, yeah. And we are as like understanding as we can be. We know a lot yeah. of the time yeah. people aren't doing it sort of maliciously or to do it yeah. in a way where they're deliberately underinsuring to make sure their premiums are lower. But um, yeah, it's definitely, you want to make sure that you get that full amount to make sure that you can get a brand new one of your choice um, and that you're not sort of financially yeah, messed around or sort of out of pocket yeah. at any point. Because I, I don't think you charge an excess, do you? We don't indeed. So no. yeah, it's always no, a claim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unlike home insurance um, where, you know, you might, you've got that maybe 400 pound excess. Sometimes that might even sort of counteract the amount you're going to claim for. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, we don't routinely um, put the price up after a claim as well. So um, unlike home insurance, where then your next year's policy might be a lot more expensive after if you made a claim in that year, we don't automatically raise that. We're really understanding that musicians actually care about their instruments and, uh, you know, we take that into consideration so we don't raise your prices inst instantly because you've made a claim a really big benefit yeah absolutely absolutely sounds very considerate and bespoke and um you know genuinely supportive to musicians which is just really wonderful um and it's fantastic also to hear about um the other ways of supporting the industry it's just um as you said i mean i think insurance i mean certainly my experience of home insurance always involves sort of like long waits on the phone and 
you know, oh yes, you can get it fixed, but you have to use this plumber or this, that, you know, and then they'll have, and then someone will have to come around and check it and this, that and the other. And obviously this just feels like a completely different world, doesn't it, in terms mm. of um, level of care and, um, and support. Um, I guess we just, you know, I think we wanted to make, over lockdown, we made sure and over this pandemic that we're still providing that same level of service um, and still that level of understanding. So we have managed, we've been sort of continuously tweaking our product and service over this year to sort of understand and reflect what musicians are needing right now. Mm -hmm. um, so we definitely expanded the, the, you know, the claims sort of timescales. So we understood that people right now might not be thinking about that and want to make a claim later. So we've been really understanding of that. Um, we are um, we've now added on the ability to cover all the transportation costs for any repairs so for example you yeah yeah instrument got damaged and you want to take it to a certain retailer uh, our repairer to get it fixed we now cover the costs for you to have um a courier deliver it safely to the repairer as well so it's not you don't have to put it in the post and worry about it <laughs> now that's covered or you don't have to wait until that repair is open you can you know we understood that a lot of repairs are still working throughout the pandemic but from a home or Sort of in a workshop so we cover the costs so you can deliver on your instrument yeah. in that safely um and yeah as i said with the uh the new um legal protection and assistance add-on i think it's just a yeah just a further understanding of what musicians are going through um and being able to support them getting back to what we love really isn't it so we can all I know someone who um, needed to get a, needed to get a bassoon fixed, and the um, the repairer that he used was in I don't know. I mean, he was in London. It was in a different county, certainly. It was um, you know, it's a sort of a day's job to go and take it there and see whether it could be repaired, and then wait for it to repair. And obviously, he had to cancel right you know, during rehearsals that day, so he had to cancel that. So that's the other side of it. The the um the, the logistics of actually getting it for repair and what work you're missing out on. While you're not, while you're doing that, while you're sort of taking it somewhere by hand because you can't bring yourself to post a bassoon or whatever, um, or like, and you know, it would be quicker that way anyway. So yeah, that's that's great too. That sounds very um, considerate, and that makes me think actually. So do you have a um, a view from your perspective on sort of the future, pandemic wise and, and music making wise? You know, you've obviously seen this from a um, from the insurer's perspective, the impact that it's had on people. Do you have a view on, um, you know, how people are going to, anything that's going to be different, better, worse going forward? I mean, I'm trying to stay positive about it. It's hard to because, you know, part of my network and sort of cohort, I guess, we sort of see that a lot of, a lot of musicians have had to find new work, find completely different revenue streams and new ways to sort of get income. And, you know, their, their years of career that they've been working towards has just sort of stopped overnight. Um, but I'm trying to stay positive in the sense that it will come back. <laughs> I'm hoping there'll be this bit of a live music you know, renaissance after we're all sort of safely vaccinated and um, sort of back to be able to play in these settings. And that there's actually going to be some really exciting sort of performances and festivals and opportunities for musicians out there. Um, I think what I, a positive that's come out of it is I think the ability that now they're also doing more live streaming of concerts and performances. So for everyone being able to access um, performances or wherever you are in the world is I find it really exciting and really special. You don't have to just attend them, or but now people can enjoy that music from afar. So that's been a positive. But 
yeah, we are. I'm, I'm hoping it bounces back and, and, and even more. But um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky time. I mean, uh, over, uh, the weekend, the pub over the road had some live musicians in the garden. And I was like, this is the first live music I've heard wow. since I can remember right now, to be honest. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it was just so appreciated and really special. It means such a lot when you hear that first music back, don't you? I remember um, last summer, a similarly um, sort of um, bus folk musicians busking in a pub um, garden and just being, you know, like, oh my God, finally music, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so great to hear. We know the worth of it now, you know, we, I think we would be granted a lot of the time being able to go see some performances every day of the week and things, but now it's like, mm. I really missed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, I'm really going to appreciate it when I can get back to that concert seat or <laughs> get back to that gig at a pub and just enjoy music like it's supposed to be. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. No, very much. It's no, no, that's a great personal perspective. But mm. but again, from the point of view of Allianz, I mean I'm personally very grateful to Allianz because I mean they handled my claim. I couldn't fault it at all. And you know, I got dear old Ludwig back. Um, you know, good as new, <laughs> if not better. But I think also, and I'm sure you'd echo this, Katie, I'm really grateful. I think we're, we're all grateful to what Alliance is doing to support the music business. I mean, I, you know, some of the things you've described, I knew some of them, but I didn't know the extent of the work you've been doing. And I think that's really, that's really important. And, and yeah, the, um, the that's range fantastic. The range of, of um, organisations yeah. are supporting really covers the... Um, uh, the range of what's needed to have a sustainable and forward-facing, future-facing music industry, you know, the combination of inclusivity, of education, of mental health, and, um, you know, it's just um, an, mm. other, an other culture as well, like you mentioned with the Olympics, and seeing, seeing all of these things together on one, uh, you know, one organisation set of support is really, really um, inspiring, actually. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, also enormously grateful that Music Works is among them because that's, yes. uh, that's quite a lineup, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah, we're really, 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 really grateful that we've been able to, to be doing this. It's meant a lot to us personally um, throughout this mm -hmm. lockdown, and also it's been great to see it grow and to see um, the way it seems to be really helping people. Yeah. Um, which is lovely. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, thank you. I mean, it's it's been a really amazing podcast to follow. You know, um, yeah, a really important one at the moment, and to, to keep this industry talking and discussing and helping others to sort of become part of it and succeed within it. It's a, yeah, a really important mission. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, this has been really, really interesting and informative episode, and um, and really lovely to to touch on why um, this is so important to everyone. Um, if you want to find out more about music insurance and what Alliance offers, you can find it here, alliancemusic.co.uk. Thank you so much for joining Music Works. I'm Katie Beardsworth and it's been my pleasure to share this episode with you today. Thank you so much, Clarice and Margaret. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. 
You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening. Thank you.